All right, back in the studio, I got uh, Chad here with me. What's up, brother? What's up? And we're going to be talking mushrooms today. We're going to be dropping some science. <laughs> a little bit of science. A little bit of science. So, uh, mycology. Mycology. If you guys aren't familiar um, with any of Chad's work, uh, the thing is, uh, Google him. You'll <laughs> <laughs> find him. So uh, I want to start off with just asking, like, what are mushrooms? What are they? Um, so getting a little the closer. Like the, the, the uh, <laughs> <laughs> Drop the mic there. Try it. Um, the best and most basic answer is they're the fruiting body of a fungal organism. See, that's that's the sentence in so itself is that, baffling. That's, that's kind of <laughs> the the basic um, dictionary definition of what is a mushroom. So, uh, mushrooms are a fungal organism, mostly my, made up of mycelium. Mycelium. Okay. There's that's the word of mycology, mycelium, and so that's the actual organism most of which we don't see because it's underground or inside of a tree and it's breaking something down. But that's the organism itself is the mycelium. Uh, and when it runs out of food or um, conditions are right for it to multiply and reproduce, and different things, you know, different mushrooms have different signals, um, then it puts out its fruiting body, and that's usually all we see because a mushroom That's the mushroom cap, right? Well, the, the mushroom cap is one sp section of the fruiting body. The whole mushroom, the stem and everything, is the fruiting body. So if we were thinking of fungus as a, a plant, uh, which fungus is more closely related to people than it is to plants. I've heard that. But uh, I'll go into that a little bit later. <laughs> um so if we're thinking of it in relation to plants, the mycelium is the tomato plant. The mushroom is the tomato. Okay. And so it's holding the seeds to make more tomatoes inside of the tomato. And that's right? where you get spores, right? Yeah, so the spores are, are again, it's, it's kind of different than, than plants uh, because they're their own kingdom. You know, there's the plant kingdom, and fungus is actually a different kingdom. Uh so spores are somewhere between pollen and uh, and seeds. So it's like a like a in between type of thing. Well, it's yeah they they operate differently. So from one mushroom, a single mushroom, two spores from that same mushroom can make contact and share DNA and create a whole new mushroom. That's so crazy. like you can't take two seeds and smash them together and make. Another oh, seed. Oh, I see what you're saying. I see what um, you're saying. Or you can't take like a jalapeno seed and a pine tree seed and smash them together and make a, a spicy pine tree. Well, yeah, that. But you also can't do that with mushrooms. You can't take um, uh, a red tomato seed and a yellow tomato seed and make a different tomato. Right, you right. It it has to happen through pollen with plants, um, but spores can actually connect with each other from the same parent or from different parents um, and share information and become a whole new organism but that's in, that's in, that's crazy that's, that's one <laughs> I was way say insane but I like it. I that's one like way they spread is through their spores but also um, the mycelium the organism itself uh, if it can tear away uh, and land on a new patch of, of food of you know in many cases, it's rotten wood or wood, wood chips, pine needles, stuff yeah. like that. Like, I've seen you, like, sterilizing plates for it and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, well, that that's for cultures um, uh, kind of in a laboratory setting. But uh, 
in nature, in the wild, or in your garden, you know, if a piece of mycelium tears off and lands on a fresh source of food, it will colonize that, and it's actually the same DNA as what it tore off of. Weird. It, if spores land on each other, uh, they're sharing new information, so it's a cross of DNA. What do you mean by a cross of DNA? Um, it, it's kind of an evolutionary opportunity, so... When a man and a woman have sex and make a baby, they're sharing DNA from the man oh and DNA okay. from the woman. I get, so I get what you're saying. Yeah. spores, when they land on each other, can... Well, and that's, that's what makes them more closely related to us, right? Uh, well, yeah. I mean, it's by form and not function. Um, <laughs> it's yeah, it yeah, functions yeah. more like plants, but it's, um, it's very different. Anyways, I kind of got derailed oh off, yeah, of yeah. off of that uh, question. But um, what was the question again? What are mushrooms? Oh, yeah. So they're the fruiting body, the reproductive structures of a fungal organism. So that's basically what their job is, is to uh, spread spores. Um, and depending on the type of mushroom, they have all kinds of different ways of doing that. Um, some grow out of the ground. Some grow on trees. Uh, some drop a lot of spores. Some, you know, drop spores over a longer period of time. Um, some are very aggressive. Some are less, less aggressive. Um, um, are they part of the decomposing process? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, that so I was curious about that, like the, like earthworms and stuff like that. And like, so they are part of the decomposing process of like breaking down organic material. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they um, at at many levels. So again, mushrooms are just kind of one one section, or what at least what we think of as mushrooms uh, is really just one section of the fungus world. So you know, you think of like mildew isn't a mushroom, right? But like it's black a fungus. mold is a fungus. But if you look at them in a microscopic level, they are little tiny mushrooms in a way. Really, but but they're different. So um, they're when we say mushrooms, we usually think of like the toadstool shape, Super Mario um, Brothers. Yeah, most most of those things pop up out of the soil or sometimes out of rotten wood. Oyster mushrooms and things like that that grow on trees, shiitake mushrooms. Uh, those are generally what we think of. Um, and so, yeah, those are definitely part of the um, decomposition process of breaking down. In most cases, wood. Um, but also a common kind of idea around mushrooms is they pop up out of uh, manure or okay. cow patties. And so a lot of people think that's how you grow mushrooms. Uh, and that's, that's true with some. Uh, the agaricus uh, family of mushrooms is the little white button mushrooms you see or the portobello mushrooms. Uh, and those need a higher nitrogen environment. So manure is a great, great substrate for that um, um not not to interrupt but like so to, like when you go to the store you buy mushrooms what are those are those those are you know, like you buy just like those white so th mushrooms. this might blow some people's mind <laughs> um but the little white button mushrooms are sometimes called cremini mushrooms um but the generic white mushrooms it, when you buy a canned mushroom uh, most of the time it's it's these uh those are agaricus bisporus Agaricus, but I can't say it again. Agaricus bisporus. Okay. So uh, let me break that down in the Latin. So agaricus is the family. Bisporus 
means two by okay two spores. So the if you look at <laughs> under a microscope <laughs> under a microscope the gills of uh, these mushrooms they have little I don't know if you'd call them organs but little uh, things called um, basidia. Basidia. Basidia, and those are what manufacture the spores. That's crazy. And so the they form in pairs. So when some many oh. years ago they were looking at it under a microscope, and they said, "Oh, the organ that makes the spores forms in pairs." So it's agaricus bispores, two spored. Um, so that's where the name comes from. But what's going to blow people's minds is it's the same mushroom as portobello mushrooms. Really? Same mushroom. Mm, that's as far <laughs> as the fam they're both agaricus bisporus. Dude. <laughs> but again, they can there's different varieties just like you can have a a Roma tomato and a beefsteak tomato. They're both tomatoes. That makes sense. That makes sense. So, they're the same thing, slightly different, but basically as far as how they function in the body and um and uh, their edibility and all that stuff—they're the same thing. Right. So, like, when you go to the store and you buy like uh, you buy like uh, a little packet of mushrooms, mm -hmm. you know, like that. So that's what you're talking about. Yeah, the yeah. white button mushrooms, or same thing with portobello mushrooms—the big ones, the baby portobellos—they're all the same thing. Yeah. Um, they're all agaricus bisporus uh, mushrooms, and those grow in a higher nitrogen environment. And those were the, I. I I can't say that they were the first cultivated mushrooms, but in uh, European culture and the Western world, uh, they were the most common, and they would grow them in caves, actually. Really? So they would use bat guano, which was already well, in the yeah, caves. Yeah. Um, and that's so, also so they would so they would take in the the, the spores or whatever the well, mycelium. I mean. Yeah, yeah. They w they had figured out the cultivation process where hey, if we put this. On this, which might have been as simple as chopping up some mushrooms and putting just throwing them in there, and just throwing them in the right environment for them to thrive. So and what you said is high nitrogen, which well, high, high nitrogen is important, but also um, inside of a cave, it keeps a, a steady temperature no matter what time of year, right? And it's really humid, so yeah. okay, um, it was a good place, you know, before the days of electricity to cultivate mushrooms. Um, Human humans have uh, had an understanding of mushrooms for a long time, y right? Yes, but we also have kind of a cultural forgetting, or <laughs> I, I call it a mycophobia, um, particularly okay, okay. In, in the United States. Um, and I'll, I'll touch on that in a little while. But the um, the whole thing was they they cultivated mushrooms in caves or in uh, kind of breweries and different things like that brewery is a good way to put it well uh, yeah well they know in literal breweries where they brew that even makes even more sense now because well yeast is a fungus also okay so yeah that makes is, even more is sense basically you know in the same family so um but the the stuff that you would use to brew beer grains and stuff once that's been spent you can use it to grow mushrooms on also that's cool and you already have the boiling equipment and all that at your disposal but um that's where the idea that mushrooms grow in the dark comes from because oh i've heard that yeah. mushrooms themselves the the fruiting bodies usually need at least a little bit of light um hmm. because do they uh, do they do photosynthesis photos no, no, no they don't okay. photosynthesize okay um but w they need light on the mycelium to tell the mycelium where to make the mushroom 
Interesting. So if you're thinking about like oyster mushrooms grow inside of trees, so they look for cracks in the bark to make the mushroom. It's the path of least resistance. Okay. So oxygen and light tells the mycelium inside the tree where to put the mushroom. Right. Okay. Because if it's a 10 foot tall tree, well, where do I make a mushroom? Do I make it here? Do I make right, it there? Right. It's where it's getting the signal like oxygen and light is coming in here. So there's an opening. Put a mushroom there. Yeah, because um, I remember you showing me a video of like a colony mm -hmm. of like mushrooms like spreading or mycelia mm -hmm. spreading and basically deciding where to fruit and not fruit. Right. And it's pretty fucking interesting, man. It's like it's literally a sentient being. Well, and there's some some theories around that as far as them being um, somewhat sentient. Well, they they yeah, definitely like have – they uh, operate well, on a system of well, mathematics. Well, on this episode, sure. we're going to post that video – as a link because okay. I want people to see that. Yeah, that's, it's that's it's cool. pretty fucking amazing. Um, on, a, on a similar note, they've used slime molds, which are not um, not mushrooms per se, but a slime uh, mold. Slime molds. Uh, they're very common uh, all over the world. But they've used uh, in Tokyo. They used a slime mold to um, basically remap their subway right systems. this is yeah yeah yeah, yeah. exactly yeah, yeah. tell and tell them to fucking drop some knowledge <laughs> this is a really cool story man well they put um little grains on the nodes of tokyo that had the most dense populations um so basically they put the food source where there's the most people and applied a slime mold to it and the slime mold by its nature will figure out the most efficient way to the food path source. of least resistance Right, path of and send resistance. all of its uh, nutrients or make basically veins. And so they actually used the slime mold to figure out the best and most efficient way to reorganize their subway tunnels. That's and fucking crazy, yeah, dude. Yeah, That's fucking and crazy. That's fucking they, crazy. Simultaneously, they had lots of engineers working on it. Um, and what was cool is the plans kind of overlapped. So Whoa. they... they, they <laughs> There were people looking at it from a mathematics perspective, and then there were people that said, let's see what the mold wants to do. Yeah, dude. So and that's fucking crazy. Yeah, that's yeah. fucking crazy. Like, I've heard so many theories of, like, you know, fungus being, like, uh, the oldest life form on Earth and stuff like that. And well, it, it definitely... Maybe uh, the oldest I, land. Old, old, yeah, so it was definitely the first organism to make landfall, I guess mm. you could say. Yeah. yeah. Eh, well, it, it's amongst the first. So before anything that we would recognize as life, um, you know, alongside bacteria and things like that. Um, and so fungi, fungus. Um, I'm a fungi. <laughs> <laughs> had the ability to uh, come onto land. And actually dissolve minerals, That's dissolve what's rock. Crazy. That's what's fucking crazy. Well, and that was a very essential process um, to dissolve rock to basically make soil to make plants or to give the opportunity for plants to exist. To even exist. To well, even to exist. Uh, land plants. So yeah. there's well, probably you seaweed aquatic and kelp and stuff well, like that. Well, I, I think this is even before seaweed. Really? This is, this is like primordial shit. Wow. Um, yeah, yeah. Before there was oxygen, put it that way. Okay, so or it no, no, it wasn't before there was oxygen necessarily, but the the gases on the planet were very different ratios. If if, uh, if to I where we wouldn't recognize it, it would be like a, a completely. If I if I remember correctly, I actually looked into this. Like one of the first gases on Earth was argon. 
Yeah, that's probably it. Was, it was argon and then nitrogen. So what what the fungi did was it dissolved minerals to basically make some sort of soil. So you and along okay. with alongside with bacteria too. There's again, this is primordial. This <laughs> is like before anything we recognize as plant or animal really one or the other existed. Um, some of the oldest things uh, structures, and I, for the life of me, I don't know the the name of the mushroom, but possibly the oldest um, living organism on land. Uh, there's these big spires that are fossilized mushrooms. What? Yeah. And they, they basically look like stone, but they are they're actually... They're mushrooms. They're fossilized mushrooms. That's... Um, and so they were able to break down minerals, and then those mushrooms would break down and become more bacteria-laden and gave rise it's to... It's almost like the plants. seeds of life. It, it definitely primed the planet for what we recognize as life, for That's sure. fucking crazy. Um, That's fucking and, crazy. And some, there are some theories that it... It came, fungi as an organism came on asteroids that impacted well, yeah, the planet. Well, yeah, I've seen that. I've seen and that. so in some ways, yeah, that could be the seeds of life. They, call it, they call it planet seeding. Yeah, yeah, I mean, there, there might have been several asteroids, a stream of asteroids that carried bacteria and, and fungus from who knows where in the universe <laughs> and impacted this planet and it had the conditions to turn into whatever it has turned into. And then we got complicated apes. Yeah. <laughs> so we got complicated yeah. apes. So uh, I'm going to keep on moving with this episode. Uh, I'm going to talk about, okay, so here in Tucson, you know, uh, <laughs> Tucson, Mount Lemmon, anywhere around here, what's native? What do we have that's native? Oh, well, so native is kind of um, relative with fungus what, what, what because it, it travels so okay. easily. Um, but there's there's a lot. I mean, there more than I could you ever, got lion, ever we name. We have lion's mane, right? And, and um, uh, there's probably some lion's mane that uh, is in the mountains. Um, it's not super common out here. That's just um, personally one that I just know off the well, top of my head. Well, lion's mane has a lot of really cool medicinal qualities, and it's very edible. It's, it's a really cool mushroom. And you can grow it here, but it's not super common. Um, it's a little bit more common in the southeast. Okay. Uh, but there's, I mean, so many mushrooms. So even in the desert, uh, there's there's mushrooms in the soil. There's mycelium in the soil. Uh, the most, probably most common one that people see is desert shaggy mane. Desert shaggy um, mane. And there's some really big ones that have uh, popped up. I forget the full name of that. It's Podaxis something. <laughs> the fact that you even remember that, dude. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's um, desert shaggy mane or shaggy mane mushrooms. Um, they are edible. There's there's a few that <laughs> you wouldn't want to eat that look like that. So there's, <laughs> there's one called stinkhorn, and you can kind of imagine why you wouldn't want to eat it. What, well, uh, on, the, on that same note, like, what are, like, the nutritional properties from eating a mushroom? Like, what do you even get from eating a mushroom? Well, different mushrooms have different... Um, nutritional profiles but in general you're getting protein um from edible mushrooms which is crazy yeah you're getting protein which their protein is um basically chitin uh, related chitin, so that's what your fingernails are made is, out of yeah it. what your fingernails your hair is related or, or made out of which means you shouldn't really eat raw mushrooms i do that all the freaking time and you've told me before not to do that well and 
some mushrooms it's more problematic than others, but uh, what's the white button mushrooms that well, I use? Right, and them? the thing is, is you're not getting any nutrients from that mushroom. Well, you, you might get a few, uh, but you're not getting any protein for sure, um, unless you cook it because it's all bound up in that chitin, and you can't digest the chitin. That. You have to break, so you down break the, the cell walls and with cook, heat. Cooking with heat. does that. Heat. Um, there's some other ways of, of doing that um, with alcohol and different extractions. Um, but yeah, you you got to break down that chitin. Um, That's interesting. I didn't know that. Well, there's like alcohol extraction for medicinal mushrooms and stuff okay. like that. Okay. Okay. That um, are too hard and fibrous to chew or eat. It's like eating bark. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, some medicinal mushrooms like reishi mushroom, um, you would ideally make a double extraction so first you make an alcohol extraction the alcohol pulls out some of the phytochemicals uh, uh, uh real quick uh for my sake explain phytochemicals uh, they're <laughs> um, I, I, I'm not, they're, they're, i don't mean to put you on the spot but like it's just um a certain profile of chemicals okay, so okay these ones are in particular are uh polysaccharides so <laughs> it's another word i don't know <laughs> but keep going but well so polysaccharides don't come out if you were just to boil it in water right? okay so they got to be alcohol soluble okay so okay that makes so sense. that's why the double extraction instead of just a tincture or just a tea so okay. first you make the alcohol extraction you pull out the things that the alcohol can dissolve but then there's other things that alcohol didn't dissolve that you get out through heat. So you have to have another step. It's right. Well, and so both things are good. Like if you make a tea out of reishi mushroom, you're getting good stuff. But there's good stuff left in it that you didn't get because it's not heat-soluble, water-soluble. That's crazy. So yeah. you make a, an alcohol tincture first. You put it a bunch of chunks of mushroom in a glass jar and let it sit for a month in alcohol. Crazy. And then <laughs> and then you strain all of that off, and so you have your tincture. That's just mushroom alcohol, fluid, mushroom, <laughs> mushroom and alcohol that's been steeped for many months, mushroom or shots, a month at least. Um, and then you take the pieces of mushroom that have been in the alcohol and you really wring them out, uh, and then throw that into a pot of boiling water and boil that for an hour. So the heat extraction is going to get things out of it that the alcohol didn't. And Whoa, did you guys <laughs> hear that sound? <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. It's all right. And, um, Say boom. and the, uh, the mushrooms that are saturated alcohol, you're not really losing any of that by putting it in water anyway. That's crazy. And then at the end of it, you combine the two, uh, two parts of the alcohol extraction to one part of the tea. And it's shelf-stable because the alcohol content is high enough but it's got both extraction methods. So that's the best way to that's make, like how make do a we, How do we figure this out? Like uh, it's, well, reishi mushroom has been used in Asian cultures for who knows how long. Yeah. I don't know. I, I honestly have no clue as far as the the texts or, or traditions going back. But that's pretty for interesting. a very, very, very it's long time. It's, it's interesting like how we figured it out. Like it was, let's take this and let's play with it. Let's just see yeah. what we can do. Like... Let's throw it in some. Well, and it makes a really like flavorful broth too. So that's the thing is you don't have to like necessarily just make a, a medicine out of it and and take it in droppers or or a tea even. 
but like you can make a reishi mushroom tea and use that as a soup broth. Mm. Well, y- you actually, <laughs> you actually jumped on my next topic was cooking with mushrooms. Mm. Like mm-hmm. that's if that'll kind of like yeah. melt like cooking with mushrooms. Like I've always seen is like a good uh, substitute for meat. As far well, as it's because of the protein, so it's very oh yeah. high in protein. It's usually you know high moisture, um, so in general, uh, mushrooms are, are good for that. Um, they've got vitamin A. Um, some mushrooms can actually, if you uh, expose them to more sunlight, will uh, increase in vitamin D. Vitamin so D. Vitamin D we normally get from the sun itself. Yeah. Or from meat. So. Um, it's really mushrooms are the n- only non-animal source of vitamin D. So wow. like vitamin D is in milk, right? We see vitamin yeah, D. Yeah, vitamin D, vitamin A. But that's a, yeah. an animal source. Right. Um, so it's, I believe, the only non-animal source other than the sun of, uh, of getting vitamin wow. D. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Like, uh, and they'll increase by exposure to the sun. So it's almost like they're absorbing the vitamin D that's coming through the UV rays and storing it's like super, it in it's the like mushroom. like Superman. <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> so the next one, like, we kind of covered this a little bit. We talked a little bit about edible mushrooms. Is uh, The next one I want to talk about is uh, what's poisonous. Um, not as uh, how, many. Well, my big thing is how to identify a poisonous mushroom. Yeah, well. Yeah. That that's you have to be that's I- really di- I- dicey territory. You have to be educated, right? Yeah, you really got to know what what you're looking for, or the th- at least the things to look for, or the things to like. Say say avoid. you came across a mushroom you've never seen before, and for, m- for most people, that's most mushrooms <laughs> because okay. people just don't look. So uh, the, that's the thing is you really, if you're interested in that, got to do your research um, and and really educate yourself on the types of things to look for there's tons of forums online of um, people that grow mushrooms people that uh, that forage for mushrooms the one piece of advice that I would give to people amateurs looking to get into uh, like wild foraging mushrooms is would you would you call it mushroomology? <laughs> mycology. <laughs> mycology. Well, okay. mycology is the study of, of fungus. I didn't know that. I just. Um, <laughs> but the uh, for foraging for mushrooms or like eating wild mushrooms, starting out your best bet is to avoid anything with gills. And so. so oh, explain that. Explain so that. So underneath the cap of the mushroom, if it has little slotted gills, like the white button mushrooms that everybody, or like portobello mushrooms that everybody's used to eating, and that's a whole lot of mushrooms that people see out there. Um, if you avoid eating mushrooms with gills entirely, you're gonna avoid about 80 or more percent of toxic mushrooms. Okay. So (laughs) most people have only noticed mushrooms with gills. They don't know that there's any other thing. See, like, I can't picture it. I don't know what you're talking about. On the underside of a cap of mushroom, the little slots that, you know, the little slats that if you cut into a mushroom, there's like little in the white button mushrooms. I cut mushrooms every day. Well, right. On the inside of the cap of, of a white button mushroom or a portobello mushroom, there's little slots, and those are called gills. Okay. Um most, I shouldn't say most, but a lot of the toxic mushrooms have that. So if you, if you avoid, but there's also edible mushrooms, like obviously the agaricus, the, the portobello mushrooms and 
oyster mushrooms also have and gills. And we obviously figured it out through trial and error, too. Well, the thing is, is there, if you know other things to look for, you can sluice through it and find the ones that are good. But just starting out for the amateur that's just like finding random ass mushrooms in the woods. If you stay away <laughs> from those, you're going to stay away from the most dangerous mushrooms. Okay. The other mushrooms that you might find that don't have gills, they have pores on the underside. So there's a whole family of mushrooms called bolete mushrooms. Um, there's there's a lot of different... There's ones like chanterelles have what's called false gills, which look like gills, but they're not. And again, this so is why bait it's... Real and bait and switch. It's well, bait and it, switch. it's the importance of knowing the characteristics to look for if you d if you don't know the what the cap from the stipe from the skirt from well you got to tell people what you're talking well about. that's i'm that's what i'm saying if you don't know any of those terms you have no business looking for mushrooms. tell tell the, tell the listeners what you're talking about well the, the cap is the the top of the mushroom where okay. the where the spores are held and so like if you buy plastic wrap uh, portobello mushrooms you're usually just buying the cap you know okay. it's like what people grill and have it has an enormous cap so that's uh that's the cap the stipe is basically explained as the stem the oh, okay stem that runs up um now some mushrooms have a skirt and some don't the skirt is usually on the stipe but sometimes the skirt is loose and it falls to the bottom of the stipe and you don't notice it and so there's a lot of <laughs> the, the skirt is a little bit of tissue that breaks free guys do your research that breaks free when the cap blooms out flat so the cap starts looking like a ball on the end of a stick yeah. and then it opens up like a big umbrella and so there's a for some mushrooms there's a little bit of tissue that connects it to the stem. And so when it breaks open and, and flattens out like an umbrella, there's a little bit of tissue left That's around the on the stipe, which is basically the stem. Interesting. Um, so if you don't know what all of those things are, you really shouldn't be <laughs> eating wild mushrooms. Well, that's why we're talking to you, man. Well, <laughs> that's well, why we're so talking to you. Even, even you know, listening to a podcast or watching a dozen YouTube videos is not adequate. No. <laughs> um, no. Is not adequate for identification. You really need to uh, go out with some people that know what they're doing, uh, read lots of books, you know, dig into what are the things to look at, because if you don't know what to look at, then you're going to have a really hard time. You're going to have, a, you're gonna have a bad time. I know all the things to look at, and I still find every time I go out into the woods, I find at least a dozen mushrooms. I have no clue what they are, and I have to look them up later. Yeah, yeah. And, and even then, I'm like narrowing it down to like three or four mushrooms, usually in a family. So even if you're very well versed on what to look at until you've had your hands on it and you've smelled it and you know what its food source is and all of those things um not a good idea to eat wild mushrooms yeah i've heard that before i mean it's it so with that being said a lot of people have mycophobia um, in the United States, the aversion to eating mushrooms or I'll, eat, mu I'll eat mushrooms all day right but <laughs> but there's a lot of fear because exactly what I've been telling people, you know, don't eat wild mushrooms unless you know exactly what they are. Because it can fuck you up. Well, it can. It can. But there's not as many, like, deadly poisonous mushrooms or deadly toxic mushrooms as people think. 
there are many mushrooms that if you put them in your mouth where do you and think that stigma them, came from there there's a lot of reasons for that um one is there are a few mushrooms that are very deadly well well there's that <laughs> but there's a few that are very deadly and the thing is is once you know you have poisoning it's too late yeah um it's you can't uh so 90% of the mushroom poisonings in the world come from the death cap uh, mushroom, which is... Uh, death cap? Yeah. That sounds like a metal band. It's a white mushroom, and it looks very nondescript, and it looks like a lot of edible mushrooms, um, unless you know the things to look for. And so that's why it makes up most of the poisonings, is most people are out there foraging for edibles, and in a whole patch of edibles, they might have one poisonous mushroom, and if they're not being very discerning and looking at all of the different each individual mushroom they pick up they can pick up one deadly mushroom and a whole bag full of edible mushrooms and cook them all up together and and then once they feel sick that's over they go to the hospital and you can't pump your you know, they can pump your stomach but it's already Same. in your bloodstream and it's already killing your liver why do you think why do you think uh okay so this is kind of a, a weird question why do you think uh, mushrooms evolved into being edible and crazy poisonous? Like, is it mm. is it like a? I don't think that. So I I don't think that they evolved into that. They just are that. Um, it's more that th we evolved to eat certain mushrooms and not others. So right. Um, there are mushrooms that will give humans a stomach ache, but squirrels can eat them. See, that's crazy. That's crazy you to know, me. There's, there's mushrooms. And so this is another thing that is um, kind of understudied is individual people have different reactions to edible mushrooms. So uh, something like a shiitake mushroom is very common. You know, I might be able to eat it fine. You might be able to eat it fine. And then another friend, it makes them sick every time they eat it. Mm. And it's not that there's something super toxic in that mushroom. It's like an allergic reaction sort of thing. And so anybody can have that with any mushroom. There's well, and so sense. it's important, like, if you're trying really any new food, you should just try a little bit of it and wait several hours to see if they feel. But, you know, it's kind of hard to do if somebody's making a big dish and you're over for dinner. And oh, yeah. You know. Like but myself in particular, I'm actually not uh, reactive to ivy. Like I've I've actually rubbed ivy on my body and nothing. Yeah. And you know, like, but um, with with mushrooms, it's um, kind of pretty unique in individuals as far as who reacts outside of their toxicity. So, um, and then there's so there's that's the thing is there's very few mushrooms that are um, deadly toxic. There's a, I think there's eighty seventy to eighty species out of ten thousand. <laughs> Probably more than 10,000. Probably more than 10,000 species, but there's, I, I believe, eight, 70 to 80 uh, named toxic varieties. So things that will will cause certain, major problems. Certain and death. that's in the, no, not, not certain death, just, just toxicity. Okay, okay. So not even deadly toxic. There's probably far, there's probably like five or six that are deadly toxic. Just like no matter what, you're dead. Well, if you eat. Yeah. eat them yeah. like coming into contact with them is usually no problem uh but if you eat them it's you're it's dead. you're, <laughs> you're gonna have some serious problem you can uh survive it with a liver transplant but 
Um, <laughs> with a liver transplant. It, it, and people do that's it. that's that Kid- bad. Yeah, man, kid- really. Kidneys and livers shut down. Wow. And that's that's how it kills you. And so, um, wow. Yeah. Uh, but the um, it, well, so one of the things is the the chemical that is produced in your body when you eat some of these mushrooms is related to jet fuel. So what? You're, you're wait, wait, what? Yeah. No, you, you can't breeze past that. What do you mean? Like, so the I, I don't know the name of the compounds off the top of my head, but when you eat them and you digest it in your body, it converts to jet a com- fuel, <laughs> a compound related to jet fuel. Wow. And that's why it destroys your organs. Wow. dude. Oh, my God. Yeah. So so I'm th- still going to eat mushrooms every day. <laughs> well, those are those are the extreme toxic. One of them is Amanita phylloides. Does that does that mean that they would actually ignite? No, no, no. okay. Because uh, it's in your digestion that it converts to that. Oh, okay, okay. So it's well, not what like uh, what I mean by that question is like, say you took that compound and had it outside of the body and exposed it to fire, would it ignite? Uh, it might. It might. Yeah. Interesting. It, Interesting. It, it possibly, but it, uh, but it, I guess what I'm asking is, it, is it combustible? The mushroom itself, no. No. Uh, okay. Um, there are mushrooms that are are very combustible, though. The really? Um, well, not like um, in a gaseous way, but in a um, tinder kind of way. So actually, that is probably the earliest um, notable human use of mushrooms. You probably heard of the Iceman. Oh you yeah. Know, the the guy that was frozen in ice. Yeah, he had tattoos. He had tattoos and. W- on his right hand side, which that is where you keep your important stuff so you can grab a hold of it if you need to, um, there's a bag that contained a conch mushroom. You're I have know what you're talking about. And yeah. they kept it it's for so fire starting. they could carry fire. Yeah. So you could start an ember in that, and that ember would smolder for days. And you could carry it. So it was a hard, woody mushroom, and if you put an ember in there, that ember would just continue to smolder in that mushroom. I totally um, know what you're talking about. Yeah, and so that was probably the earliest kind of use of mushrooms by humans. That's, um, that's fucking, that's so interesting, because, like, you know they played around with it, and they were well, like... Well, they probably were gathering wood, because this grows on the side of trees, Yeah, and they realized, like, hey, this, the coals kept glowing in this thing longer than they kept glowing in the actual wood. Right, right. And so let's pick this mushroom up and carry it to the next site, because, yeah, and we like, if they were burning a tree that had mushrooms on it, and the mushroom was the thing that was left smoldering after everything else was ash, they would just naturally pick that up, right? All right. And then after a couple of generations of doing that, they realized, like, that mushroom growing on that side, let's cut that off and use it to do that. Let's light that on fire. Right. Let's light that on fire. So, uh, yeah, so there are mushrooms that are... Are flammable, but well, not, is it not is it like is it uh, suffice it to say that mushrooms actually help humanity get to where they're at? Hundred percent. Oh yeah. 